Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Studio Smack Podcast. I'm Chris Chavez, and this is my show where I get the chance to chat with some of the biggest names on the track, on the roads, within the coaching ranks, and across the running industry. We are still riding the high of the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials and all of the fun events that we had with Hoka while in Orlando. The coverage does not stop there. We will be bringing you interviews with some of the top competitors and the newly minted Olympians on the Studio Smack Podcast my guest for today's episode is U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials champion Connor Mance. He went 1-2 with his former BYU teammate and current training partner Clayton Young to qualify for their first Olympic team. Mance was the fastest American marathoner of 2023. He and Young were the only two Americans to run under the Olympic qualifying standard before the trials in Orlando, and so they end up clinching the two guaranteed spots for the Summer Games in Paris. In this episode, Mance takes us through all the ins and outs of the race, how he and Young work together from the start all the way through the finish, how he handles some pretty bad nerves before the race, what his hopes are for the Paris Olympics, and of course, we asked about the gesture where Young let him go for the win at the very end of the race. We love a good marathon recap with Mance. If you want more, we have some episodes in the archive after his NCAA cross-country title in April 2021. We have an episode before his marathon debut which went excellent at the 2022 chicago marathon we've also got one from last year's chicago where it's fun to listen back to it was him and clayton talking about their plans and to build up towards the marathon trials in orlando and look at them now this episode also pairs well with our conversation with clayton which we recorded in orlando immediately after the race so we're flooding the podcast feed this week but it's all good stuff without further ado here is connor mance All right, and now we welcome back the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials champion, Connor Mance, ready to go to the Paris Olympics. You've got that Olympian title now. After a couple days of just processing the race, spending time with family, how are you feeling spiritually, emotionally, physically as well? I mean, after Chicago the next morning, I remember seeing a post on Strava that you'd gone for a run, and I just checked before this, and it was like, no running since since yeah. Saturday. <laughs> no, I I definitely wanted to take this one a little slower after. No matter, like, unless I didn't make the team, and then it was going to be like, all right, let's get to it. So I was like, okay, I have six months, but I'm feeling good. Um, like I said in, a, in an earlier interview, it was like, this has been one of my big, like, lifetime goals, and now that... You know, it, it's checked that box. It kind of is like, oh wow, like that's that it, it. It's like I've I've qualified. But then my wife was nice enough to remind me. She's like, I don't want to bring a damper on this, but you still gotta like be ready for the Olympics. Like, if you get hurt, it's not really an Olympics. And so I'm like, you're right, you're right. So, um, like that's a good point. So I'm I'm feeling good, but you know, it's got the prelim finished now. Now I'm excited to head to the final. I love that that approach to it. Um, after the race, we got the chance to go and sit down with Clayton. You, 
from what we heard from just the rep guys and and even just like your agent it was like you were exhausted how did the end of this marathon feel compared to you know chicago and some of these past other races where you just left it all out there no I, i i don't think it was the marathon itself that was so tough but it was the stress building into it um i knew i was the favorite and i had that on on my mind and also i was I was getting really frustrated about the whole system of qualifying because I was like, wait a sec, like just just send Clayton and I. Like, unless anybody breaks two or eight ten at the trials, like we should be, I don't know, they don't do the same thing on the track. Nobody on the track gets, you know, a reallocated spot. And so it was kind of like this this frustration. And I I I tried to ignore it. Um, my big goal of this build has been like not even this build for the last year is just like focus on what I could do. Like I didn't go to worlds because I didn't think I could run the standard there. I decided to do Chicago instead. And it was like, I need to get the standard. So there's at least one spot so I can go run it at. So if I win the trials, I can um, focus on that. In my mind, like heading into this, there was just a lot of stress building on it. I was like trying to focus on what I could do, not controlling, not relying on anybody else's stuff. And so like, like the, the, night before i woke up that i didn't i had a nightmare that i didn't finish the race it's not usual for me to dream about running the night before a race (laughs) but i've been just thinking about the race so much and like this fear of i might not finish um what if that happens what if i I was worried about all these what ifs and i was just so stressed um woke up at 3 a.m from that dream i couldn't fall back asleep after an hour of just laying there nervous as can be my heart beating i was like all right I got to take my mind off this. I just started watching some YouTube or whatnot, like what, whatever I could to just not stress out. But it was like 3 a.m. to start the race at, at 10, 8, 10, 10. And actually, even through the first five miles, I was super stressed. And I was like, I don't know, before I warmed up, um, sitting down and I'm like looking at my tights and my my, my legs and it's just everything's shaking, like there's little muscles that I'm like, I feel calm. And then I look down and like, I don't know, little muscles in my quads that like I didn't know were muscles or whatnot are just like vibrating up and down like an insane amount. And so just all the stress of this race, like I don't think I went to the well as much as I did in Chicago or Boston as far as during the race, but I didn't, I was so nervous um, that I was going to mess this up, mess this opportunity up. Was that in the tent beforehand where everyone is kind of gathered or like where was that where were those moments where you were sitting like totally losing your mind nervous because I guess like that's the moment where you're surrounded by your competitors did like having Clayton around help or not really oh it it, it definitely did because it's just like we could just talk about anything and like we had Clayton there's another guy named Pop Tamu that we train with Jake Heslington and Connor Weaver who are both BYU alums were there McKenna Myler was coming and going and we had our athletic trainer and our PT. So it was like, we had a good support staff around us to keep us like cool and collected. But even when I thought I was like as collected as can be at, I am sitting in a chair and we did outside kind of like next to the porta potties, but it was, I don't know, you had the lake right there. So it looked really pretty. So it kind of was like, oh, at least it's a nice day, you know? So even from 3 a.m. to, I guess, like, at first, they were trying to get people on buses by, like, 7 a.m., even with the 10 a.m. start. Whatever time that ended up being that you finally get to that warm-up zone, like, 
are, are, what are you telling yourself this whole entire time? Because like it is the race everyone has been building up for for the past like four years, and it, it felt like that pressure was culminating on you. Right, and like part of it was just I was trying to relax, and I was, that was the big thing. Was like, okay, relax. That's what I kept telling myself, but it was just it was not fun. Like, like I don't think that race there was anything that like was fun until five and a half miles when Zach Panny took the lead. It was like, okay, like now I'm on pace. Now I don't have to worry about anything random. I'm in control. And it was just like Co- Coach and I had talked before the race. I mean, the three of us, Clayton, Coach, and I had gone over strategies together. And Coach was like, all right, we want to run this race relaxed as possible. You can't, t- you can't take the lead till 22. And so it was like, okay, like I'm not going to take the lead. He's like, just just hammer from 22 on if you need to, but just stay in the pack. And so when Zach Panning takes the lead, I'm like, awesome. Now I can run my pace. I want to run, but I can follow what coach said and I can just try and run relaxed. Clayton mentioned to us that the night before the race is ultimately, I guess, like when the planning was taking place with you, Coach Stone, and that there was discussion. It was like, oh, whose moves are we going to cover or what pace yeah. we would be covering? And so it, there, we we also kind of talked about how because this is a little bit of an out-of-body experience when you're in this race that you have to wake yourself up at some point and realize that you're in this moment. And for you, you kind of mentioned it didn't really happen until Zach took off. So if we're kind of breaking down the race now, you missed your bottle at the very beginning, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was I was so stressed and worried I was going to missed my bottle because I was in a crowd. I actually, I I disobeyed coach, took to the lead, but I was like, okay, it's fine. I'm just doing it to get my bottle. Just want a clear path to my bottle. And then as I'm looking at it, I just started thinking about, like I talked to Nathan Martin before because he was the second bottle. I was like, hey, like whoever's in the lead gets their bottle. Like, let's let's not try and strategize or anything. He was just like, okay, whatever. Because Clayton had talked to Reed Fisher, I think, because they were on the same table. So I was like, I should talk to him. And so I was like, all right, like whatever happens with the bottle, like let's just make sure, you know, give each other space, make sure the other person gets their bottle. And so that's what I started thinking of when I went to grab my bottle. I wasn't in the moment and I, I, I missed it. I grabbed the top, I have a little straw that comes out. And so I grabbed the straw and it just like flipped, like me trying to grab it, it just flipped on my finger and just went down. And I was like, dang it. Like <laughs> spent all this like energy, like, I don't know. I feel like that's the one thing I've kind of fueling is the one thing I've really, really worked on this build is to make sure I can drink as much as possible. You didn't decide to do like the same stuff as Clayton when it came to like the actual bottles. Cause right. He has like, he had a hat in there and like yeah. some weird sort of device. Why did the two of you kind of go about different strategies with that? Because I guess like you're definitely like the more like, all right, grinding hard work, like, going to run as hard as possible. And Clayton tries to find sort of like that, those little marginal gains and yeah. it's little things like that. Yeah. I, I think part of it was, um, I had heard it. I, I had thought like it was against the rules. Um, and Apparently I Clayton checked with like everyone possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I don't even want to think about this. Like, I just want to do it. And I was like, I don't know how much it's gonna going to help. So I was just trying to worry about, okay, what am I used to? What can I do? And Clayton was very much like, 
looking for those marginal gains and going through everything. I just knew if I started talking to people, I'd get stressed about the what ifs. Um, and I was already stressed. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to keep things as simple as I can. And yeah, what was even what was in our, our individual bottles, we used the same um, water bottles. Um, but I just had Martin 320 in mind. And Clayton had Martin 320 plus, um, oh, what was it? It's like the ketone stuff. I think plus something else for electrolytes. I don't know what he had exactly in there. All I know is it tasted terrible. <laughs> and it's like, I was like trying to drink this stuff. I'm like, good thing we're going like 505 pace right now because this is a little miserable, like trying to drink this. But so when was the wake up? I guess like when Zach takes the lead, he's obviously someone who, if we go back to October when we did the podcast after Chicago, I asked you throw out a name of someone who you're going to be watching for that third spot, you know, and both of you said Zach Panic. So this whole entire time, you guys knew that his world championship run was a bit undervalued and under and, and overlooked that you, you guys just went for it. Yeah, it, it was like we both knew Zach Panning was somebody to go with. We we weren't sure about if Paul Chalimo or Kishomi, um were people to go with. We knew, obviously, Fobble and uh, and Sam Schellinger because we've been training with Sam. And Rep, it was like you go with those guys. But there's other people like who weren't as experienced that we were unsure about. And so when we see Zach Panning move, it was like, okay, like we'll go with him. And he went a little – he went out a little faster than – um we had said we would go it was like no matter what people do like we're not going to break 450 but then after five and a half miles at five flat pace it was like okay well i guess we can break 450 a little bit and then there were a few miles in there that were like okay this is we're we're straining like i know i can't hold this for the whole marathon but like if everybody's in this pack i know like everyone like most people are going to fall apart yeah I, I, so then did you ever look back to see as the lead pack was like dwindling? Because there was a moment where it got down to like, it was like 10 and then six. And then finally, at one point, there was a breakaway and it was only four. It was it was you, Clayton, Zach Panning, and Andrew Colley, of all people. Yeah, yeah so I, I looked back a few times and just kind of saw a big pack. Um, and one of those times I looked back to make sure where, see where Clayton was. Um, just trying to make sure he's on pace. And there was one time I stopped hearing cheers for Clayton, which Clayton and I both had a lot of people out there cheering us on. Um, and so like when I stopped hearing cheers from Clayton and I looked back, it was after the second or no, the third like U-turn. Um, I looked back and I didn't see him. I was like, oh, crap, like now it's just on me to make the team. And it was like kind of like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I was going to try and make the team anyway. But my thought went, dang it, like... Now it's all on me to make the team for this group. But um, fortunately, it was just I didn't see Clayton. Um, there was one time Zach Panning started to pull away from me a bit. And then Tishomi came up to try and pass me. It was after one of the water stops. So I'm like fiddling with one of those water bottles and just trying to cool off. And Zach Panning just, he had it down. He practiced so many times I bet with bottles that like he was not slowing down at all when he picked up anything. And for me, it was like, I'd miss two bottles and like hit him down and then finally grab one. Um, and I, I, I saw it to show me and uh, passing me and I was like, Oh crap. And then two miles later, three miles later, um, I, I, I made a deal with myself. I'm like, there's going to be a big pack. Just wait till 30 K 
And then you can look back and I wasn't listening to myself, but I was sort of listening to myself. And so I love how much you get in your own head, Connor. <laughs> oh, it's, it's the worst. Uh, I make these deals with myself just so I just get one more mile or whatnot. But yeah, when I, when I looked back and saw at the, the second last bottle stop, when it was the four of us and we began to drop Collie, Collie didn't even go and get a bottle. Oh, and wow. So I was like, oh, he's, he's like, like you, you can't do that right now. And Collie was gone pretty quickly after that. And then I gave Clay a high five. Cause I was like, we've done it. We've slightly broken away from four. There's three of us. Okay. We're on sub 208 pace pretty much. Um, and there's three of us and Clayton and I are both in the pack. It's like, okay, we've made it. And then very quickly I got back in my own head and was like, oh crap, what if I'm like coaching the 96 Olympic trials and I don't finish with 400 to go or whatnot? Yeah. Take me through that high five moment and your rationale to throw it back for, for Clayton. He didn't see it coming and it took him by surprise. He understood what to do. Yeah. But to the outside people looking in, you know, there's a clip of me and the Sidious Mag team just losing our minds because at that point we're like, all right, Sharpie, like it's it's these guys. This is the team. Or at least that the two of you were going to make it because at that point, Zach was laboring. But what compelled you to go for the high five? I think it's just that little bit of community that like the celebration, like it's like there's nothing better than, you know, working so hard with someone and then finally being like, oh, like we both can do this and we're both probably going to do this. Like if Zach kept hammering and it broke 208.10, like Clayton and I would get second and third, or maybe we would have stayed with him and, you know, one and three or one and two, I don't know what could have happened, but it was just like the idea of, okay, we've worked so hard for this. We've been, we've talked about this for a long time where, and it's just, the two of us running together at the end. And when I saw three, it's like, okay, like we've, we've made the team. We were like, I, I was pretty confident as long as, you know, anything didn't happen, but I was feeling so good and I felt smooth. And I was like, okay, like it, it was kind of like this feeling of relief too, of, okay, I don't have to worry about anyone else. Like it's, it's now just running and I can, I can do that. I can just keep my own pace up. If people were going to catch us, they would have caught us by now or they would have stayed with us. But then eventually I got back in my own head and was like, oh, crap, anything can happen. Like every marathon I faded, every marathon, but my my first one, I faded the last couple of miles. So it's, it's so funny because I think I called it out during like our alternate broadcast that soon after that, when it is just the three of you, there's some talking happening in that lead pack. And I was running through all the different scenarios to people as to like explaining no okay like they need this to be faster than 208 10 with or zach needs to unlock the third spot in order for all three of them to go and you know if it was you and if the winning time was over 208 10 and it was panning and you finishing one, two and Clayton right behind that doesn't guarantee Clayton's spot. So like you had an understanding of the rules and I could see the wheels turning in your head, kind of going through that live in the moment. What are the conversations that took place with Zach and Clayton at that point? Because it, you guys were figuring this out in the moment too. Right. And I, I kind of told Zach like, Hey, we have three broken away. Like 
keep what you're doing. I wasn't going to take the lead from him because again, I didn't want to risk anything. Um, it's super selfish, um, but it is the Olympic games and it's, you know, I, any other race I would have gone out and helped out with the lead, but at the Olympic trials, it's no, man, this is, this is on you. Like, I don't, I did my I, part. I unlocked the spots. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm like, I'm not gonna, gonna take the lead and, and push. Um, especially cause there were a few slightly windy sections and I always feel like that gets in my head really quickly. So it was like, okay, there's like, I'm just going to let you lead. And then, um, I could tell at 22, we were slowing quite a bit and I, I started feeling really good and I kept looking back thinking, Oh, like we're slowing quite a bit. And I just, I just put my watch there, mile marker. So I knew what that mile marker was look back. And I was like, Ooh, like we just ran like 459 and like people are probably catching us. And so I look back, I didn't see anyone. So I like, I go out to the side to give up full, like <laughs> look back and, uh, I could barely see lightning in the background. And I was like, Oh, like we're good. Like no one is catching us. Like I'm less like, I. I, I must be do something like too hard. And so at, at 22, I'm like, all right, I'll take the first chance at that coach gave me is my okay to take the lead. Um, if, if Zach had said something like guys, like, like let's, let's go. Or if he had like slowed down significantly, I would have gone to the lead, but he had, he seemed like he was rolling and happy to roll. So I wasn't going to take that away from him. Yeah. But, so when you and Clayton pull away, does a little part of you have your heart break for Zach knowing that he just did all this work and it just, it was slipping out of his hands. Absolutely. Well, I thought he would still hold on for third and I thought, okay, if he's held on for third, he can go like not chase the standard, but kind of chase the ranking. And, um, we, so I passed him at 22 and was like, Hey Zach, like tuck in, um, I'll lead like Clayton and I'll lead the next bit. Or I just said I'd lead the next bit. And then after 23, I, I didn't I didn't speak up. I actually slowed the pace down. I didn't realize I did. And I turned to Clayton. I was like, hey, you want to take a mile? Because it's like the last windy section before um before you have like that two mile long stretch where you have the wind at your back. And Clayton took the lead and he was just celebrating. And I was feeling I was feeling good, but I was just that that anxiety was getting to me. And it was like, kind of this like debilitating anxiety of, oh crap, like what if I pass out? What if my calf cramps? What if my hamstring cramps? And it was like all these worries of what if, what if, what if? And Clint kept being like, hey, just run side by side with me. Let's enjoy this moment. And I, I was like, no, I'm I'm not feeling good. And a lot of it was, yeah, I was, I was pretty tired, but it mainly was like, my my mind was like, so stressed out so i was like i just need to make sure i finish like finish without anyone passing me i need to save enough in the tank if somebody starts to catch up like or enough in the tank that i just don't blow myself up so it was it was this uh very mental very big mental battle of i don't want to pace it because i might blow myself up or i might be too cautious so i'm gonna let clayton pace it all on his own which is kind of I know my wife is like, do you feel like a jerk? You made, you made other people lead all but one mile of the race. And I was like, yeah, kind of. But I really wanted to make this team. Yeah, I mean, you did what you had to do in order to to get what you wanted. Um, so 
the biggest thing people have been discussing, right, has been the finish, right? And the way Clayton described it was, no, he was soaking in the moment. He knew you weren't feeling well, like you just said, and that he was kind of going to be there just in case, like, you had slipped back. I don't know. Like, my interpretation of it was, like, I, it was still a little bit unclear to me as to what would have happened if you did start to falter. I think you guys were still, they had enough time on, on third, but in the case, I guess in your worst case scenario, if you cramped up and started, you know, fell down, would I'm, I'm assuming Clayton would have helped you back up and you guys would have like finished together, but he gestures to you to go ahead and take the win. That wasn't discussed in that home stretch or like, what is your vantage no. point of like exactly what happened at the finish? No. So it was like, so when I when I said, hey, like two miles to go, I said, hey, I'm not feeling well. Like I might run behind you, but then enjoy the last 400 is what I pretty much said. Like, like man, I'm I'm just trying to make sure I don't cramp. Like I'm just trying to make, um, like get the win. I'm not, like, pretty much I'm not going to help you because I just want to focus on making sure I finish. And I can tell he's feeling good. One, Clayton's the smoothest runner. Um, and the field, there was a joke between some of the guys we run with if either him or Paul Chalimo are smoother of who's going to look better on TV, Clayton or Paul Chalimo. But, um, but I could tell Clayton was feeling good because he kept like throwing his arms up. Like he was throwing his hats to people. He was kind of like doing things that, I mean, it probably all didn't get put on camera, but he was, you, I could tell Clayton is feeling really, really good. And I could tell even in the days leading up, Clayton was on a whole nother level. There was no way. Clayton wasn't going to make the team. We thought the opposite. We thought yeah, he had a shot. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, this guy's trained with me for like, does anybody else have a training, not to pat myself on the back, but does anybody else have a training partner who's uh, leading them through every workout and they're just crushing it and then they're, they're the better than anybody else in the heat? Like Clayton is like, in my mind, it was like, I don't know what anyone else is doing, but I know what Clayton's doing and he's kind of the one to beat. Like, but there was no discussion. I, I just thought Clayton was going to take off the last four and I was just going to keep running my pace and run as hard as I could to the finish. Um, but then, yeah, I, I actually was surprised because at the finish, I'm like, I'm running toward it and Clayton's still celebrating. And I'm like, in my mind, it was like, I'm just going to, like in the moment, I was like, I'm just going to finish. Like, I guess, I guess Clayton doesn't want it. I don't know why. And like, this, this is what I thought at the time. Like, I don't know why Clayton doesn't want it. And he, he was yelling, encouraging stuff to me that whole last two miles. And I couldn't hear him from the crowd, which is pretty cool. But it was just like, maybe he said something then. Like, I didn't hear what he said. Like, and he just told me he was just saying, enjoy the moment. Like, and telling me like some, just saying like encouraging stuff. But I had no idea if he was saying like, you go ahead or whatnot, <laughs> like. Let's show some love for third place. Lenny Career, four years ago, yeah. just misses the team. This time around, comes charging home and takes that third spot in the final mile, it felt like. Crosses the finish line, runs right into a barricade, and then finally gets the moment with you guys and the flag draped over you. So, I mean, what were the conversations like afterwards with Lenny? Because you, you guys barely ran any of the race with him. Yeah, yeah, it was... Lenny's like a quiet guy. I don't know how much you talk to him. I've reached out. We're trying to get him on the podcast. He's very hard to get a hold of. Yeah. Um, and so it was it was pretty special because I've never seen him like emotional. I've never like 
she's just very quiet. We've like we've had dinner together at races. Like there's been a few times where Clayton and myself have gone out to eat with like the WCAP team, um, just at races, just because like we're really good friends with Sam Chalinga and um it's like where are you going to eat? We're we'll just go there. And Lenny's been like just quiet, like but calculated. He, he's got very, like it. He's a soldier, and so it's like he's yes. got like sort of that hard facade. But I guess like he did crack into you know showing a bit more of emo his emotion afterwards. Yeah, yeah, and that was really like pretty, pretty cool to see because he's just like he's a great athlete, and it's heartbreaking. Like fourth or where wherever you are when you just missed the team, but that, he was what two seconds off, three seconds off, and he was closing hard. And he was closing hard, and it was. It was really like I remember watching that race and being like, I can't believe it went down to a kick, and that that also freaked me out. Uh, I was like, oh, the marathon can go down to a kick. Like things I I don't see as my strengths are how these marathons are ending, and I don't I don't like seeing that. So it was really it was really special to hold the flags up. Um, it was really sad or frustrating to me that like Lenny is celebrating his third place, and then he gets asked like twice. I was there when he got asked. So how does this work with your ranking and everything? Will you make the team? And it was just like, let him just celebrate for a day. Like, let him figure that out later. Like, he's just got to go run a fast half and he'll be fine, I think, after this. Right. And even even then, he might just still be fine. Like, yeah. his ranking, he got enough points, I think, even from this trials that he's uh, he's over Fobble right now in the quota. So he's like 64th and it goes down to 80. There's a big difference there. I think Lenny should be fine. Does any does any of it feel like a blur? I know I saw a clip of you guys having a watch party where you went back with you know friends and family and watched the race. Like that had to have been pretty cool to be in that room because you guys are actually offering like your inside commentary through the whole thing. Right, right, and that was like the first time Clayton and I had actually started to talk about the race, and um, we still haven't. That might have been one of the only like times we've given, other than the KSL interview, we've able to been really. I talk about it after we've been able to think about it. And so it was funny when I said, when people were asking like, Clayton, what were you saying to Mance? And I was like, oh, I couldn't hear him. The crowds were too loud. And Clayton's like, come on. I said like, I was like, this and this and this. And like, there was significance with every street name that we crossed. And he was like, like there's a Lake Street and he's like Lake Loop, which is the name of our, one of our, uh, where we do our tempos. And then he was like, Liberty Street, like Liberty and... <laughs> I was just like, it, he was just learning that a lot of it was, I couldn't hear him. And we were learning why we were saying what we were saying. And, um, it, it was, it was cool. There was a lot of people there and it was fun to offer insight, but I don't know. There was, there was so many people that there wasn't, there was like kind of difficult to. The presenting sponsor of the City of Smack podcast is Olipop. You know, we've been pounding Olipop for over a year now. 2023 was a track season to remember, and Sidious Mag was able to be there for all of the big moments thanks to the incredible support of Olipop. What has become known as the Runner Soda isn't just a great companion for pregame shows or post-race shows, or if you're just watching at home and want to crack a can of Olipop open yourself, it's good for you too. It's a prebiotic soda with 9 grams of fiber, which is 32% of your daily needs, that only has 2 to 5 grams of sugar and helps your digestive health in a way that a threshold workout never could. We love it because there are 15 incredible flavors that will keep your body refreshed and ready to go for the next workout. 
My current favorite is lemon lime. Caitlin Tui's number one flavor is ginger lemon. There are other great flavors like vintage cola, tropical punch, orange squeeze, cherry vanilla, and I'm hearing rumors of another one coming soon. City Smack podcast listeners get 25% off non-subscription orders by using code CITIUS25 at checkout at drinkolipop.com. You can also find Olipop at Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Target, Walmart, Publix, and most recently, they just got added to Costco, so pro tip there. Next time you're looking for a refreshing and healthy drink after that long run or hard workout, reach for an Olipop. You won't be disappointed. Drinkolipop.com, code CITIUS25. I'm sure, like, it's going to be the thing you guys are going to talk about, like, for the rest of your lives, like, in terms of just, like, that race in particular. You have that moment now forever, and, like, you're still sort of in it. This buildup is going to be memorable. This, compared to Chicago, which has been, like, the last two marathons where you've actually had Clayton step-for-step, you know, healthy and 100% for the whole block, did this one feel more fun? The, The marathon itself was more fun. Um, very, very stressful, but it was more fun because we actually ran it together. Chicago, I think was a, was a little more tough because it was like Clayton and I were like told different race plans by coach. And it was kind of like, okay, I knew what he was doing. He knew what I was doing. And I don't know. I think this one was fun because we kind of went in like, okay, it's a pre, like we, we both had the attitude of it's a prelim, um, I work with a sports psychologist and he was like, okay, like, what are your goals for this marathon? I was like, to qualify. And he's like, well, then is it just a prelim? Like, you should probably think of it like that. It's like, okay. And so we both had that, you know, that thought that this is the prelim and our goal is to qualify. And so it was kind of in a way, like, I don't know, it still had pressure. Like I felt like it had to be Clayton to qualify, but also it was like, there was an, a scenario where we both make the team and that's, that's the goal. That's all we really wanted. It wasn't like I need to beat Clayton or Clayton needed to beat me. It was our goal was to make the team. Yeah. If the sports psych was, was right, then like, it's okay for Clayton to have let up at the finish line because in the final, he's not going to let you do that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I hope he doesn't. I mean, if he does, I'll be, I'll, he won't, he won't. I'm not even going to say what if he does, he won't. <laughs> We've seen a couple workout videos come out over the last couple of weeks and like all your trainings up on Strava and so is Clayton's, but coming into this one, do you have any feeling as to like who was the fitter one of the two of you? I mean, I think if, if we run that race in ideal conditions, I, I might be fitter, but it was in the heat. And I think Clayton was, Clayton's a lot better at the heat. He is naturally gifted when it comes to heat but instead just being like good at running in the heat he trains himself to be like amazing in the heat um but i think either way if it's in the heat or not i think it was going to be close i don't know i i I don't want to say i'm fitter than clayton but there's a part of me that's like i think so if if it was like an ideal ideal conditions but then again i don't know coach Eistone's very much of the opinion like fitness is all that matters like whether you're good in the heat or not it doesn't matter it's the fittest guy's gonna come out on top yeah because like you guys stayed in utah for like a good chunk of it you guys had a short recon trip to florida where you guys saw the course but for the most part like there wasn't anything all that extraordinary with the heat training right 
Um, I, I would say we were pretty good about it. I'd say, okay. Um, like, what were you guys doing? We obviously see CJ with the lights and Fob will explain to me, you know, the sauna blankets and everything that he was doing. What were you guys doing? We, we were just, we'd finish our run and then we'd get to the sauna pretty immediately. And we'd be in there. I mean, maybe it wasn't as much as, it definitely wasn't as much as CJ. CJ was on a whole other level. CJ probably thought it was cold there, but um, we were, we would finish our runs and then we'd hit the sauna. And especially at the end there, we were hitting it for 30 minutes almost every day other than like Sunday. So it was like, you finish your hard run or your longer run, then you go to the sauna. And um, we both did some runs um, where we had these like core suits. I don't know if you saw them. People have them. They, I think Clayton posted a picture of one. Mm-hmm. Um, where you, the only thing that comes out is like your face, your hands and your feet and everything else is like tapered off. And we would, we would do runs like that and you just sweat a ton. I was, I would, I, I didn't like going out in public like that. So I just did that on my treadmill. Clayton, Clayton didn't care. Um, which is, which I think is funny. Cause I, I think I, I shouldn't have cared either, but someone's got a weird video, like on the side of a road and it's, there's right. just Clayton running in his sauna suit. Right. Right. And I would just, I would just bundle up extra. So like I'd go outside and it'd be like 30 degrees and I'd be warm. Like, well, so how hot does it get in that while you're running? We, we didn't measure it. Okay. We should have, um, but instead it was just like, we just drench ourselves in sweat. Well, Paris is going to be one really hot. And then they've got this mountain thrown into the middle of the course it could suit you being like, you know, the cross country champion from, from the NCA days. And like, we've seen you on flat, fast courses, but now I guess this will be, and we, I, I guess saw you in Boston as well. This will be a true. Boston doesn't count. I put it <laughs> there, so. All right. So we'll forget about Boston, but this will be like your first true test, like over 26 miles um, with some pretty nasty incline. Now, and I, I honestly think this will be, a good like it'll be good for Clayton and I. Um, I think I can help Clayton train better with for hills. I mean, he's pretty good at hills, but I I think I'm I'm better. He's he's way better at anything heat training related, and he's able to like you know figure out the little things a lot better. And so I think he'll be able to help me out with that. And so I think like I think we're we're in a good spot to do well, whether well is 10th place for us or eighth place for one of us like or it's a medal like i think we're i don't know getting that qualifying check like box checked off i think puts us in a really good spot because we're we train together um and it's going to be nice because it's hot in utah this summer like it's it was it's kind of frustrating training for orlando when it's you know you're doing a workout and it's 25 degrees outside and to just you're you're not going to make that a a train. You're not going to make all your hard runs in the heat. You're just going to do them in freezing weather. I mean, it's the type of course that like, yes, we're hearing that potentially Kipchoge and Kiptoon might be named to like the Kenyan Olympic team, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be good on a course like that. I look to the likes of you. I mean, Cam Levins is like someone who I'm like really thinking of, like could be a problem here uh, at this race where it suits guys like you. And then at the same time, I think like you have nothing to lose at this point, right? Like in terms of like there's so much less pressure yeah. at the Olympics knowing that, oh, you might have 
an outside shot at a medal. Clayton has no shot at the at a medal. Well, we're gonna make All that. Right, yeah, but, yeah. You gotta, gotta but, say that before he wins gold. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. So for you, I guess like approaching the Olympics, it's got to be a little bit freeing too. Uh, it, it it really is, and it, it's nice to just go back and be thinking about training only, not not having to think about okay, what if what if Favre makes a move or what if um, Chalimo is this big unknown? What if Chalimo goes and he starts running at 445s. I can just think about, okay, like I'm qualified. I'm there. Now I can just go and race to the bike to on my own and not really worry about, okay, if I blow up, I blow up. If not, it's whatever. But I don't know. It is freeing. I didn't, I'm not going to wake up. I think the Olympic morning, like with this nightmare, I didn't finish because if I don't finish at the Olympics, like, yeah, that really sucks, but I'm not going to be like heartbroken. Um, that I missed my shot. Well, let's, I guess, not, let's not throw that bad juju out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Let's let's hope I get a good night's sleep before I'm not <laughs> not up for seven hours before the race starts. You decided to upload the run to Strava, kept the title simple. Morning run with Clayton. You did throw in a race recap in in the caption, but for a while it was just morning run with Clayton. Why'd you title it that? I, I thought it was funny. It was funny. Maybe I'm not that funny, but I like to think I am. Um, yeah, it, it honestly, like, what's funny is at the end, when I look back at it now, it really did feel like a kind of a long run workout. Like, like the last the last few miles when we're running together, it's kind of felt like a really hard workout. And they, I mean, it reminds me of one of our 25 mile runs we did where um, it was really windy and icy and Clayton and I were running on this like busy road and I was coming off a sickness or I was, I was sick at the time. And so I didn't lead any of our, like we did a four mile pickup at the end and Clayton was like hammering the whole work, the whole run. And then we had our four mile pickup and I just got right behind him and just stayed with him. And then at the end, got to his side and we finished side by side and we both sped up. It was kind of comical, just funny. And then I like looked back at that run and then I looked back at our, I run on uh, at the trials and I'm like, oh yeah, it just felt kind of like the same thing. All right, let's get into some of these listener questions that were submitted on Instagram. Well, actually before it, you mentioned kind of, you. I remember in October, you were itching to get right into the build for the trials. Then you come over with this stress reaction or in, in your hip. My femur. In your femur. How did you get over that? And I guess like, were you feeling, when did you feel a hundred percent that you're like, okay, we're good. No, no need to panic. I'm getting texts in like late December being like, I think Connor Mance just got an MRI. Things are looking bad. And like, then you run the half marathon with CJ and I'm like, no, there's no need to panic. But for a while, like that's the sport. It's just sort of like the little rumors that fly. You yeah. were dealing with an injury for a bit. Yeah. So I, I had COVID and I tried to run through that. And like, that was, uh, early November, late October. And then um, I kind of ran through it more than I should have and I didn't recover well. So I get this stress reaction before Manchester and I didn't know about it. I just felt this pain in my femur and I was like, it was scaring me and I just dropped my mileage that week. It was like, I was gonna train through Manchester and instead I tapered for it and then I ran a cool down and then I was like, I changed my flight, flew home early so I could get an MRI and yeah, it was, it were, I've had, uh, that was the third stress reaction I've had there. And it was like the earliest we've caught it. 
Um, and it was in the marrow, which is different than, I guess, the actual, like, outside of the bone where you usually get it. But it took me a good, like, it took me out mainly for three weeks, or two weeks, and then on the third week, I started feeling, it's like, okay, I think, like, I can get back to it. And then, I think four weeks after, maybe three and a half, I did my first workout with Clayton, and I crushed it, and Clayton was... Clayton was pretty upset because I, I went out faster than I should have. And I just like, I'd been running on like uh, the Alton G and the boost treadmills. And so it's like to get your heart rate up, you put them at like high incline. And like, there's one that coach Taylor has that gets up to 15 miles an hour. So I was just hammering these runs at like 13 and 14 miles an hour. Um, well, I guess that was just maybe one run. And then I went and was on the ground for like, one run or like a few runs and I do this workout and Clay and I, I average like 435 for six miles and Clayton's like, what the crap, man? Like, I thought you were hurt. I thought we were going to build up together and everything. And by the time the half marathon with CJ turned up, it was like, okay, he's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I, I got a little worried a few days after that, but I was, I was good. And, um, I don't know. I, went to the bishop in our, our local congregation and had him give me a blessing. And, um, I think that was that I, I consider it a miracle um, from the Lord that I was able to get healthy that quickly. All right, let's get into some listener questions. You went with Alpha Fly 1 for your sneaker yeah. choice. You also did in Chicago. So someone, Carter Babcock, asked, why not the two or three? Uh, I... Honestly, it, it just feels better to me. Um, I don't know why exactly, but I, I, in my mind, like my engineering mind, I'm like, yeah, the two and the three should be better um, because there's more foam. There's less of like, I don't know, there's like a lot of hard rubber on the bottom of the Alpha Phi one, but I just feel better in it. All right. Fair enough. It's a personal choice, I think. And, you yeah. know, whatever whatever works for you, you got to keep it working. Um what was your go-to first big meal after the marathon? Like I didn't eat for a while, which was terrible. Um, Ashley had brought Clayton pizza in the, right before the press room. And I was like, oh, dang. And she's like, do you want something? Like, no, I'm fine. But probably, probably should have gone for it. But it was pizza like three hours later. All right. Um, someone asked, what impact has being in Ghana had on you as an adult? That's the, I also noticed that too in your Instagram bio. I don't know how long it's been in there, but you've got a phrase in there, right? Yeah, it, it's been in there for a long time. Okay. Almost my whole time I had social or Instagram. It's, uh, it, it impacted me a ton, like living, I don't know, I used to say, and this one, this race was an exception. I really didn't get nervous before races because it, living in Ghana, I realized, you know, Running is just a sport. It doesn't matter that much. Um, like in the whole grand scheme of things, I'm ex extremely blessed to live in this country, to have so many people around me and to um, do well financially. And I think Ghana kind of like rewired the way my mind, my mind worked. Um, just being incredibly grateful for everything I have and for the people I'm surrounded by. Just most people like, you think about it, most of that, a lot of Africa doesn't have clean drinking water. They're like sports are the least of their issues. <laughs> and so it just made, makes a huge difference on me. 
And what's the phrase translate to? Uh, the phrase translates to small, small, the chick shall drink water. It's like a bait. Have you ever seen a chicken drink water? I haven't. They, they go really slow because I, I don't know if they like tongue can't like swallow it well. So they have to like they put them whole, whole body down. They get a little bit and then they have to go up. Just kind of like, I don't know, move their head. And then it, it takes a long time. But eventually, you know, bit by bit or small, small, the chicken uh, quenches its thirst. All right. I dig that. A underscore L underscore Webb asks, it's not Alan Webb, uh, asks, what all did Jared Ward do to help you and Clayton? What does his future look like? Could he be a good coach? I mean, he was crying for like hours after the race finished. You guys drove him to to tears. And I I traded messages with Jared yesterday and he's still right in that moment. Oh, he's he's incredible. What did he help us out with? I, um, I, I could make a huge list. Um, he let me live in his basement for a year. That was like and Sam Chalanga lived there too, apparently. And, and so Sam like Chalanga also lived there. Maybe Sam's about to pop off. <laughs> um, but he like just did a ton of good. Like his knowledge um is huge. He would always answer our questions. Like I felt a little like like 2016 was the last really hot trials. And Clayton and I were at a huge advantage because we trained with Jared, because Jared would tell us about like we'd be able to ask him what worked, what didn't work. How could we improve and use what worked for you in the in the Olympic trials this year? Um, I mean, Jared was a great mentor when I came to BYU. He was there on my visit, even though he was graduated. He like went to breakfast or lunch with us or something, and just I don't know, probably one of the most knowledgeable people in the sport. He would make an amazing coach. Don't know if he'll ever want to do that, but I would love to be coached by Jared. Like if. If Coach Einstein was like, I'm done, first person I would go to would be Jared. I like that. Um, someone asked, Max Oglis asked, ask him if he thinks the early bottle drop affected him. Also, any races before August? Okay, we talked about the bottle, uh, but then are you planning to race before August? Yeah, I don't know what. Um, your, appearance fee just, your appearance, appearance fee has gone up a little bit. That's true. So I've thrown around the idea of running like uh, the like New York half. The New York City half is like next month. Yeah, I wouldn't be that fit, but it'd be fun to race. It'd be fun to race with like less pressure, you know? Okay. I don't know about that, Connor. Like it sounds like you add all the pressure when it comes to, to race day. I know, but if I go, to, go into a race with like not a great build, I'm like, that's ah, just less pressure. Do you think, you know, now we can... Talk about it. Like, if you hadn't made the team, would you run the 10, like, on the track next month to try and get the 10? Yeah, I, I knew you'd shake your head and say yes. Yeah, either that, right? I check where my ranking is heading in. Because, I, because like, the 10K is, like, I'm like 18 months or so. Mm -hmm. So, like, my 10 from last year still counts. And I have an okay ranking in the 10K. So, I think if I was top three at the trials there, I'd make the team. I might go after it at the 10. You still might? No, or I, I, I would have. Like, oh, I okay. If uh, I didn't make the team, I meant to check the schedule before this and to see like Galen has done. I think Galen did the 10K marathon double at the Olympics, maybe in 2016. Yeah. Would you think about it? I, I, I just don't think like you can really. I don't know. I've talked with Galen a little bit about it, um, and. 
like this was back in like December. And I was surprised when he, he said he was training for the 10K for that Olympic build. He did the marathon. He never ran over 20 miles. And even hitting the Olympic Games, he hadn't ran over 20 miles. And like you, you weren't training for a marathon and you met like, what the heck? Like, but I just don't think I could really give my best in the marathon if I trained, like, if I was trying to double dip at the in the Olympic Games, I think it just, it, it would be fun. And I like the idea, but I know it wouldn't be what's best. Last year, you PR'd in the 1500. You want to jump in one this year as well? That'd be fun. Or a mile. I, I kept joking with Ray to throw me in the Wanamaker mile this weekend. Come on, Ray. I know you're in charge of it. And it's just like, no. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I had the thought of trying to jump in at US Indoor Champs when uh, if I didn't make the team, I'm like, just, just put me in another race. Like, I had all these, like, things I was going to do if I didn't make the team. You would have signed up for every single race, and we would have loved it. We would have just like, Connor Manson signed up to run at USA Indoors and the 10 or whatever might have been like on the same weekend. I, I wouldn't put it past you. Um, that mile PR 407. Could you yeah. get it down? You want to get it down? Oh, absolutely. Because I've split like I ran a 406 in like a time trial once and then I ran 403 at the end of a 3K. I mean, we've so, seen, we, we just saw Rory Linkletter go to BU and break four. And yeah. that gives you confidence. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And like, I, I feel like most of the best marathoners in the world to break four. I'd love to get it down to like three fifty five or something that like, I don't know, like breaking four, like coach, I, I stone and Ray keep joking with us at like, keep joking with Clayton and I like, cause neither of us is broken four. Like, all right, time to sign you guys up for a mile. And we're like, let's do it. Put us in one. <laughs> Could have been the Wanamaker this weekend. Um, no way Ray would have let me in that. You can get in the B section, the the, the second heat. Um, all right, Connor. Well, I looked at your Instagram. You haven't made like a big reflection post. You only had the one post uh, up that you wrote yourself. You accepted, you're accepting all the collab tags, which we love yeah. to see. Uh, you posted about your wife. I couldn't have done this without you. I love you, Kylie Mance. And I mean, Clayton talked a bit about his wife and the sacrifices that she's made going back to 2019 when he went all in to try and win the 10k title and everything and how she prepares meals for him i mean this is your chance i guess like how important was she in this build-up she was she, she was very important um i think the big thing for me was just the steadiness that she brings and the focus that she brings to other aspects of life like um we we cook together and we we kind of do a lot of things together. It's it's kind of nice though, um, just to have like a steadiness and like somebody there to like keep my keep me grounded. And I I think it was a little tough for her for the Olympics specifically because it was such a for the Olympic trials because she knew it was such a big thing, but she just kind of kept being like, what she kept saying stuff like, you know, you just need to remember this is another race. Don't go and treat it like anything special. And I don't know, she was like my person to. These are more like running specific things, but like if I went to a sports psychology session, I could come back and be like, okay, here's what we talked about. So I could really ingrain it by explaining it to her. But then she would continually remind me, oh, like, do you remember Dr. Golightly said this and he said this? And I was like, okay, yeah, I got to keep that in mind. And I don't know, sometimes I get lost in my thoughts and I start like, 
I don't know, kind of like the nervousness of the, the like before the race that kind of happens all the time. And when she's there, she kind of just helps me stay calm. Love that. Um, all right. Final thing, Connor, before I let you go is obviously people on the outside looking in can see the trajectory of your career being like NCAA champion, like re really good immediately as a professional that this was, you know, going to be and it was meant to happen but for you i guess like how much of a combination like you know they say this on the how i built this podcast all the time a combination of luck and hard work did it take to get on this olympic team oh that's a that's a good question a ton of it um obviously i think the big thing with luck came from um my freshman year at byu i came in and just was like i came back to my mission i was um I'd gained 30 pounds, but I lost a lot of it before I came to BYU, just in that summer, which makes no sense to me because I was on a diet of like ice cream and, and Cheerios or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I trained really hard then and I just hammered every workout and I just got dropped and destroyed and was hammering my mileage and brought it way higher than I probably should have. And I didn't get hurt or I didn't get hurt for more than more than two years, two and a half years. And so it, it like that was very lucky. Um, I don't and like BYU has great support staff, so I don't want to take anything from that. But I there've been a lot of times I've had a lot of luck, whether it be you know going through injuries very quickly or not getting hurt when I should have. I, I I'm I don't know, working hard. I think is is very important, but I think everyone's working hard. At least I like to think about it. Um, I think I'm very disciplined though. And I, I just, in my mind, everyone's working hard. He was at the trials. So I, I don't know if I had anything on anybody with working hard, but maybe I did. Um, maybe I sacrificed more. I don't know. Well, Connor, congratulations again on qualifying for the Olympic team in Paris. We're excited to follow along on the journey. If you come to New York for the NYC half, that'd be awesome well we can celebrate here a bit uh but thanks so much for doing this and yeah i could tell like you know on instagram it's hard to come up with like the overarching caption to like encapsulate yeah. that full day so i'm glad we got to spend an hour here to just you know chat through things because you know it's longer than just you know the space you have in a caption so thanks so much connor absolutely thank you chris Thank you all for listening to this episode. This episode was produced by Jasmine Fair. I love doing this for you guys, so please do me a favor and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify that helps us grow the show and get even more awesome guests. Let me know what you're enjoying about the show. Make sure you're subscribed or following on your favorite podcast players. Please share this episode with your friends if you think that they'll get any value or inspiration out of it. Let's build this thing together. Visit SidiousMag.com for a lot more. We've got a brand new website with tons more articles, videos, and podcasts. As always, I love track and field. I'm Chris Chavez. See you next time.